0: In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. When I began the series of homilies entitled Sign of Contradiction three weeks ago, I could not have imagined the situation that we would have to face in the Church with the publication of the Holy Father's Motu Proprio Traditionis Custodes. The content of that document and your presence here this afternoon make you to living signs of contradiction. Like Jesus, you are being unjustly persecuted and slandered. And once again, you are wounded by one who should be confirming you in your faith. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who slander you. I know how much you have suffered these two days because I am suffering with you. Yesterday, during the celebration of Holy Mass, I could not hold back my tears. It is difficult to understand that it is our sweet Jesus on earth, as Saint Catherine of Siena called the Pope, who has dealt us the most painful blow. Today, as we always do when we gather to celebrate the holy sacrifice, we pray for Pope Francis, whom we love in the Lord. May God have mercy on him. In the letter accompanying the motu proprio, the Holy Father wrote about the rejection of the Magisterium of the Second Vatican Council and the Missal promulgated by Saint Paul VI by the faithful who participate in the Mass according to the extraordinary form. As far as this community of Saint Anne is concerned, such a negative value judgment expressed by the successor of Peter is categorically false and unfair. It is defamatory and cruel. In the five years that the holy sacrifice of the Mass has been celebrated in this parish in its extraordinary form, I have never Heard any disparaging remarks about the Mass celebrating according to the Novus Ordo? I think I can say that I have seen most of you participate in the post conciliar Mass many times with devotion and gratitude. We have all witnessed how the Holy Mass in its twofold ordinary and extraordinary form, have lived peacefully and joyfully together in our community. I myself celebrate the Mass of Saint Pius the Fifth and that of Saint Paul the Sixth on a weekly basis, grateful to have this opportunity without finding between the two any opposition or disharmony. I have always affirmed that both are equally holy because in both masses Christ is equally present in his unbloody surrender to the Father for the salvation of the world. The only disrespectful comments I have heard, and I must say that they have been very few, so few that I could count them on the fingers of one hand, have in fact been directed against the Tridentine mass, expressed by people who detest the use of Latin, precisely against the exhortations of the Second Vatican Council. In the same logic of the motu proprio, I wonder if restrictive measures should be taken towards the mass celebrated according to the ordinary form, directed against those who despise the liturgy of St. Pius V, and consider themselves, in Francis's own expression, the true Church, it is evident that they do not. Why then are they acting with such forcefulness against the extraordinary form of celebrating the holy sacrifice? This is not the only question I would ask the Holy Father if I had the opportunity to speak to him. Holy Father, why are you so hard on some and so soft on others? So vocal with some and so silent with others. So courageous with some and so timid with others. Shouldn't a father love and treat all his children with the same justice and mercy? Very recently, in Germany, the sacrilege of non-Catholic Christians being allowed to receive Holy Communion at Holy Mass was permitted in contravention of the norms of the church, and you have not said yet anything about it. During the COVID crisis, liturgical abuses have been committed in full view of everyone, and the rights of the faithful under the code of canon law have been violated on practically all five continents to date as far as I know you have not said anything about this either many sick people who asked for sacramental help have been abandoned they have been buried as if they were animals they were children of the church who died alone and deserved a more dignified, more humane, and more Christian treatment. And we do not hear your prophetic voice denouncing these outrages. The civil authorities have been allowed to modify the liturgical norms before the silence of priests and bishops, and you have not spoken. There are countries where the church has been denied the faculty to celebrate the fundamental sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist, and we have not heard a word from you. Freedom of conscience, and religious freedom has been violated throughout the world. The list of profanations and abuses is too long to even attempt to summarize it now. And the first important document signed by you in liturgical matters in the last two years is the one that restricts the Tridentine Mass? In the face of this dantesque panorama of betrayals that the whole world has witnessed, and we, the pastors, are mainly responsible for, is the main cause of division in the church those who have erroneously affirmed the superiority of one form of celebrating the Mass over another? Do opponents of the Catholic faith and priests who stubbornly contradict the teachings of the Church receive letters of support and affection from you, while children who made legitimate use of Pope Benedict's previous motu proprio, are mercilessly punished for an accusation against which they have not even been allowed to defend themselves. To some, bread, and to others, a stone, I do not address the Pope with insolence, but with perplexity, not with anger, but with sadness, not with, not disrespectfully, but with sorrow, with a great sorrow born of love for him, for the Church, and for souls. I address the Holy Father, conscious of the dignity and responsibility that he holds as successor of the Apostle Peter, but also with the boldness and frankness with which St. Paul had to admonish Simon when he was wrong. Here at St. Anne, we feel like a child who is scolded Mistreated and excessively punished by his father when the fault was in fact committed by another of the children. Holy Father, let us see in you that good Father of whom you have spoken so often. Your compassionate face is not visible in the excessive and severe expressions of your last letter. Some of you have asked me what is going to happen from now on. Today, I cannot give you an answer. I can tell you how the saints would respond with love for the Pope, with love for the Catholic Church, with humble obedience, with joy in the wake of Jesus' last beatitude. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, insulted, and slandered in any way for my sake. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. I encourage you to react with filial obedience. I want to share with you some words of Saint Francis of Assisi, and I quote, First of all, I want to convert the bishops by our holy humility and respect. When they come to see our holy way of life, and our humble respect for them, they will ask you to preach and convert the people. The fruit of souls is most pleasing to God, and it can be better obtained by peace with clerics than by disagreements with them. If they hinder the salvation of people, the revenge pertains to God, And he will repay them in due time. If you will be sons of peace, you will win the clergy and the people of the Lord. And the Lord judges this more acceptable than to win the people but scandalize the clergy. Hide their lapses. Supply for their many defects. And when you have done this, be even more humble. End of quote. Yes, remember the heroic obedience of the saints. Many were persecuted by the church herself. St. John of Avila and St. Ignatius of Loyola were in the jails of the Inquisition. St. Joseph of Calasanth was condemned by the Holy Office. St. John of the Cross was locked up and physically punished by his own Carmelite brothers. St. Pio of Pietrelcina, who loved the Tridentine Mass so much, was unjustly accused before the Pope, punished by his superiors and confined behind the walls of his own monastery, all responded with obedience and humility. Are we going to respond with arrogance and rebellion? Having said this, I must confess to you that although I myself have the will to obey, I find myself in a real dilemma, and it derives from the contradictions of the motu proprio issued two days ago. It is not only that Pope Francis has contradicted Pope Benedict and St. Pius V, it is that the document itself contradicts itself internally. For if, as the first article of the document states, the only expression of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite is the post-conciliar liturgy, why is it then permitted, albeit with so many restrictions, to celebrate according to the extraordinary form Must it then follow that Holy Mass, which is the highest summit of the liturgical life of the Church, can be celebrated according to a form that is not the Lex Orandi of the Church, as the document describes the Missal of St. Pius V? How does one reconcile magisterial statements that contradict each other. In just two days, the casuistry is already beginning to proliferate. For some, the motu proprio as a whole must be rejected as not being in line with the entire preceding magisterium. For others, it must be accepted in its entirety on the authority of the keys that Christ our Lord gave to St. Peter and his successors. For others, each of the articles must be discerned separately in light of the teaching of the Roman Pontiffs since the liturgical reform of the Council of Trent. In this darkness, I will have to decide according to my own conscience. In any case, it is a pity that it is the Pope who has placed us in this situation in which obedience is confusing and in which he says the opposite of what is affirmed in the Summorum Pontificum of Pope Benedict XVI. I would like to conclude with words of hope. In a human consideration of things, I would like to read to you a message of encouragement that Bishop Olmsted sent to you, his children who are currently being tested by this such situation. This is what our dear bishop says. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on July 16th, 2021, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, promulgated a motu proprio entitled Traditionis Custodes, in which he legislates new norms for the extraordinary form of the sacred liturgy. We are blessed in the Diocese of Phoenix to have numerous members of the faithful who are strongly devoted to this form of the Church's prayer, and I am grateful for their continued presence in the life of this diocese. Therefore, The traditional Latin Mass in the Diocese of Phoenix will continue to be offered, as it is a response to a legitimate pastoral need of the faithful. I welcome the Holy Father's motu proprio, in a spirit of gratitude and fraternal charity. In the coming weeks, I will carefully study the new regulations and how to prudently implement them in the Diocese of Phoenix. I have extended the requisite permission to those priests who have been celebrating the older form with their communities to continue to do so. Please join me in asking the Lord to strengthen in us a spirit of unity and love for the inmensurable gift of the Church's sacred liturgy. Sincerely, yours in Christ, Thomas J. Olmsted, Bishop of Phoenix. I took the liberty of answering him and thanking him on behalf of all of you for his words of encouragement in the same communication I asked him to allow us to continue celebrating holy mass according to the extraordinary form at Sainan, and to grandfathers Joel and Timothy, parochial vicars of this community, permission to celebrate the Tridentine Mass as well. Obviously I have not yet received a reply. I ask you to recommend this intention in your personal prayer so that everything may be done according to the will of God. From a supernatural consideration of these facts, I must encourage you to see everything from the perspective of the mysterious providence of God who, if he has permitted this situation, allows it only for our good and that of the church. During the last persecution that St. John of the Cross suffered, shortly before his death, a Carmelite nun expressed to him in a letter her sadness at having to suffer such an unjust situation, while at the same time complaining and blaming the Carmelites who acted against him. The mystical doctor, with the love and wisdom of one who is intimately united to the Holy Spirit, answered her with these words. Do not let what is happening to me, daughter, cause you any grief, for it does not cause me any. What greatly grieves me is that the one who is not at fault is blamed. Men do not do these things, but God, who knows what is suitable for us, and arranges things for our good. Think nothing else but that God ordains all, and where there is no love, put love, and you will draw out love. You see, a saint acquits his persecutors, and contemplates the events of his life in the light of God's loving providence. By acting in this way, the best sons of the church teach us the way in which we too must now proceed. With St. John of the Cross, I say to you today, where there is no love, let us put love and we will draw love. Let us be faithful to our life of union with God, especially through our personal prayer and the sacraments. Let us offer this test for Pope Francis and for the Church, also in reparation for our own sins. Let us also offer it for Pope Benedict. He has been publicly contradicted and discredited by his own successor. Let there be no doubt in your minds that what is happening is ordained for our good. Even if we cannot see the light at the end of this tunnel, That light will shine for those who live united to the Lord in the Church for the salvation of mankind. Now I will end. I do so by thanking you for your words of support, but above all for your love for Jesus in the Eucharist, and for the Church. In this we are united. I dare to ask you to pray for me. I want to announce that at the end of August, I will be leaving for about three months in Europe. More than four weeks ago, I asked the bishop for permission to do so, and he generously granted it. I have not been on vacation for more than three years, and I must confess that on this occasion, I am extremely exhausted, physically and mentally, because of parish work, the situation that has arisen since the coronavirus problem began, and above all, by the pain of what is happening in the church. Half of my stay in Europe will be spent with my parents, whom I have not seen for a long time, and who have had a very hard time for the last year and a half. The other half, about 40 days, I will make, God willing, a new pilgrimage on foot. I have been preparing for about two years, and which I will tell you about in the near future. I need to take this time of solitude, prayer, and sacrifice to make important discernments, and I beg you to keep me in your prayers. I will try to communicate with you as much as circumstances permit, and in any case, we will always be united in the hearts of Jesus and Mary. May they grant us the grace of communion in the Church, union with the mystery of the dead and risen Christ in the Eucharist, and the joy of seeing the day when we will again be granted to adore the Most Holy Trinity according to the extraordinary form of the Holy Sacrifice without the misgivings of anyone, and with peace, joy, and freedom, with the generous approval of the Holy Father and the Bishops' in communion with Him. Amen.